Well, good morning, church. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we are, we are taking a step out of our, our series in Mark this morning. Uh, we've been preaching kind of chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the book of Mark. But, but today is a special morning. And so this is going to be a little bit of an unusual sermon. It won't be how we typically preach here, going verse by verse. But instead, we're going to look at some scriptures. Uh, we're going to have some reflections on this past year. We're going to cast some vision for our future. And so maybe don't necessarily think of this as a typical sermon, but think of this more as like a, a State of the Union address, right, for our church. Um, except I won't expect you to give a standing ovation every, every couple of minutes. Uh, we won't expect that, but if you feel led, certainly uh, go for it, okay? Uh, but we will eventually get to Ephesians 4, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Ephesians 4 and just kind of hold your spot there for later on. But this morning, it is a special morning because we are celebrating how good, how faithful, and how gracious God has been to us this past year. Okay, it was, it was one year ago that we started gathering together as this new church, as Franklin City Church. And so today is our one-year anniversary, and we hope that you can stay and eat lunch uh, here. We're obviously not going to go to the park today. Unfortunately, the, the rain has hindered that, but we are going to stay together and eat here. Uh, so plan to, to stay and celebrate with us. But we want to be careful this morning not to make it all about us, right? I, I don't want this to be all about a, a, you know, looking at Franklin City Church, giving ourselves a pat on the back for making it uh, one year as a new church. No, we don't, we don't want to make this morning all about us. But my desire is that you would walk away from here this morning not thinking, man, our church is so great, or man, our pastors are so great. But my desire is that you'd walk away from here this morning and that you would recognize and acknowledge that God has been gracious to us. That God has been faithful to us. And that God has been so good to us. And so I want us to have the mindset today of, of being thankful for this past year. Okay, I want us to look back some and be thankful for this past year, both the good things and the bad things, both the ups and the downs of this first year. I want us to look back and be thankful. I want us to look forward to the future and be excited about what God is going to do here in the future. But then I also want us to, to look at today, and I want us to enjoy today. I want us to enjoy the present. Okay, And so, so there are things that we got to be thankful for in the past, both the good and the bad, because whether they were hard things or good things, they have prepared us for what God has called us to today. All right, And I want to cast some vision for the future. I want to be excited about looking to the future, but I don't want to get caught up in that temptation that you can get caught up in any other season of life of just always living in the future where you're excited about what's coming next. You're just looking forward to the next season, the next year, the next thing that's going to happen that you forget to enjoy what God has given us today. And so I don't want us to forget to enjoy the present, even as we talk about the past, even as we look forward to the future. I want us to be able to enjoy today. So the way we are going to celebrate one year this morning is we are going to remind one another why we believe we exist as Franklin City Church. Okay? 
Sometimes like we can do church, we can just go to church, we can do churchy things that we've seen other churches do because that's just what we're used to doing. That's what we think we're supposed to do. But if we not are on occasion reminded of why we exist as the church, if we don't stop on occasion and remind ourselves why we exist, why we planted a new church here in Franklin, if we forget that, then we can start to get off of the path that God has put us on. And so the why is an important question, and it's a question that we need to stop on occasion and remind ourselves of why do we exist as Franklin City Church. And church, we believe that the Bible teaches that we exist by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to behold God, to build up the body of Christ, and to bless the city and the world. Okay, I'll say it a few more times so it starts to stick. But we believe the Bible teaches that we exist by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit to behold God, to build up the body of Christ, and to bless the city and the world. Okay? Now that statement, that's not a, a, a unique, special statement. That's not, that's not crazy different than the rest of the churches that you might read, like a mission and vision statement and on. Most churches have a statement that somewhat, you know, combines the great commandments with the great commission, right? Okay, so to love God, love others, go make disciples. But we have, we have reworded that to kind of fit our context, and we've reworded it as behold, build, and bless, Okay. We first and foremost exist to behold God, like that song that, that Seth just led us in, right? We exist to behold God. Because listen, we believe that both Christians and non-Christians, both church people and non-church people, every single man, woman, and child, we were created to behold God. We were. There is this longing in every human being. There, every, every, there's a longing in every soul for something more. There is a longing for people to behold greatness, to behold beauty. And most of our lives, we, we, we live trying to kind of silence that longing that we have for something more. So we fill our lives with busyness and work and education and entertainment and sports. But if everyone just had times where they sat and reflected in some silence and solitude, everyone has that longing for something more, something beyond the world that we see around us. We long to behold God. And one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes is this. He said, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Right? We were made to behold God. We were, church. And what I mean by behold is to see or perceive something or someone with intelligence and by experience, okay? To gaze at something. In regards to God, we want to be looking at God. We want to be gazing at God and growing in a knowledge of him as well as our experience of him, okay? So it's not just an intellectual knowledge of him, but it's actually a personal experience of him as well, to see him as he truly is, to worship him, to glorify him. That's what we mean when we say we exist to behold God. When we say that we exist to behold God, we're saying that when we gather together, we gather as worshipers, as beholders of God. We are treasuring him above all else. We are seeing and perceiving more of him as we grow in our knowledge of him, as well as of our experience of him. 
Because listen, church, we know that beholding God is what will transform us, and beholding God is what is going to satisfy us. So 2 Corinthians 3.18, it'll be up on the screen. I'm just going to quickly reference it. It says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It is ultimately, right, beholding God that transforms us. And it's ultimately beholding God that satisfies us. Listen to these words from Psalm 17:15. It says, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. If we are beholding God, we will be a transformed people and we will be a satisfied people when we are beholding the glory of the Lord. But listen, if it was not for the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we would not even be able to behold God. Okay? So don't forget how our statement of why we exist, how it starts. It says, we exist by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to behold, build, and bless. And so before we even get to the why we exist, can we stop for a moment and remind ourselves in how we came into existence, how we could come to be this new people that can gather together to behold God? Because God created humanity in his image. He created us to have fellowship with him, but we rebelled. We disobeyed. We sinned. And as a result, all of humanity has followed the pattern of our original parents, Adam and Eve. We've all sinned. We've all turned away from God. We've all chosen our own path. We've all tried to be the, the gods of our own universe. And we all, in our sin, we justly deserve to be punished by God and to be eternally separated from Him. But listen, the reason that we have a story at all is because of the gospel because of the gospel. The reason we can exist at all as a people, as a new church, is because of the gospel. And the gospel is the good news that God saves sinners. Come on, guys. Come on now. I've been preaching this for a year. You got to get with me now. The gospel is the good news that God saves sinners. God saves sinners. And that salvation was accomplished by it's always Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. The, that salvation was accomplished by Jesus, all right? Jesus. God saves sinners, and that salvation was accomplished by Jesus, who according to his great love and mercy, he entered into creation to save it. Jesus, who is God, who put on flesh, being fully God and fully man, he came to earth to live the life of perfect obedience that we failed to live so that his righteousness could be credited to us. And he died a sacrificial death on a cross in our place, taking the punishment that we deserved. He willingly allowed the wrath of God to be poured out on himself as the penalty for taking the penalty for our sin. And through his death on the cross, he released us from the power of sin as well. And three days later, he rose from the dead, defeating Satan's sin and death. And he's now ruling, reigning, and restoring all things. He's now undoing everything that sin undid, right? He's, he's righting all wrongs. And we know that one day he's going to return and completely restore his good creation. 
And he's calling a people now to himself to follow after him. And so, church, this is where we enter into the story, right? This is where we enter in as the church, the people of God, the, the, this new family, this, these followers of Jesus, because he's calling a people to himself. He's calling a people to one another to be who they were created to be and to do what they were created to do and to follow him on this mission to call people back to God. He's calling a people to receive this salvation by grace. By grace, it was completely accomplished and finished by him. We receive it by grace, meaning we, don't, we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn this salvation. It's not something we could work for. It's all of God because of God's unmerited favor, his grace on us. And he calls us to respond by, with repentance and faith, meaning that we turn from our sin, we turn back to God. And we trust in Christ's work alone for our salvation. And so church, we have to start there because we have to understand the reason and that we have the ability at all to come together as a new people, to behold God, to build and to bless. It's all because God saves sinners and that salvation was accomplished by Jesus. And now we can be who we were created to be. And we can do what we were created to do. And we can follow Jesus on this mission to call people back to him. And it's all according to God's great love and mercy that he's freely offered salvation to us through Christ. And so now we are commissioned to share with the world that this holy, holy, holy God, what this holy, holy, holy God has required, his grace has provided us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so now we have a story. We now have a purpose. We now have a life. We now have a future. We now have a hope because of this good, great, and glorious news. Amen? Amen. Okay. Now let's get to the behold, build, bless, all right? By the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we exist to behold God. Well, okay. How are we to be, okay, we, we, let, me, let me rewind. We know that we are to be beholding God. Okay, we know that that's who we want to be. We want to be a people who are beholding God, treasuring him, worshiping him. But how is this going to happen here at Franklin City Church? Well, you see, we, we primarily behold God by delighting in his word. All right, you can behold God all throughout the week. But when we think about how does this play out in the context of our church, we primarily behold God by delighting in his word because it is in his word that God has revealed himself to us. I mean, don't we have such a, a good and great God that he has made himself known to us through his word. He's revealed himself to us through his word. And so we behold him. We understand more of him. We know more of him. We experience more of him by delighting in his word. And so Everything that we do when we gather together is anchored in and centered on the word because we want to be centered on and, be, and anchored in beholding God. And so when we think about our worship gatherings, we don't just pick like five of our favorite songs and I don't just think of a topic that I really want to talk to you or, or that I'm really annoyed about or something like that. No, like we, we try to put together a worship gathering that is anchored and centered in the word. We try to put together sermons that are, that are guided by the text. And so we pick songs that are, are rich with scripture so that we can sing the word, right? Right? 
We, we, we take times of pausing from singing, even though that might interrupt some of the flow of it, but we want to read together. We want to read the Word. And when we pray, we desire to pray the Word. When we preach, we want to be preaching the Word, not just my own thoughts and ideas. I want to preach to you the Word. And when we listen, we are hearing the Word. And we, when we participate in communion or baptism, we're actually seeing the Word with our eyes. And when we leave, when we're sent out of here with our benediction, our peace, and our blessing as we go, we do that so that we might rest in the Word. Okay? And so everything we do to try to behold God, it's all centered in delighting in God's Word. And thinking about this past year, I am thankful for how we've been able to do this this past year. And I'm also excited to see how God will continue to empower us and teach us to continue to improve our, our times together as we, as we behold him together. I'm thankful for all of our musicians and our worship leaders and people that have served back on the sound or doing PowerPoint to make this possible so that we can behold God together. So thank you guys. I'm thankful for people that, that, that serve behind the scenes, that do all the little things that people don't necessarily notice because they're not always up front but there's been a lot of people that have put in a lot of time and effort to make this possible so that we might delight in God's word together, that we might behold him. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful. I'm not going to, I initially thought of, of thanking specific people, but I realized I was, I'm just, you're always going to leave someone out. So I'm not going to say specific people, but just, you know who you are. Thank you guys for how you have, you've served us this past year. I'm also thankful for you putting up with a rookie preacher this past year, okay? I recently, I, I heard a stat that a, a new preacher doesn't actually start preaching sermons worth listening to until they've preached a hundred sermons, okay? Now, I started to feel a little bad for you guys, and I, so I tried to kind of tally up how many I've got under my belt so far, and I think I'm close to 40, all right? So you're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Just hang with me. Hang tough a little bit longer. I, I believe, Lord willing, by the grace of God, at some point we will be preaching sermons that are worth listening to, okay? Um, I didn't want to share that stat with you a year ago. I just thought it would discourage you. But the fact that you're already a year in, I think I can share it with you. Hey, we're, we're getting there, all right? We're getting there. And so take heart. We're, we're, we're almost there. And I'm excited about our preaching in the future, because not only are Dad and I going to continue to, to preach for you, but we're going to have a couple other guys from our church that are going to be starting to preach uh, on occasion here as well. We're going to have a guest preacher in October. And so I'm excited as to what God is going to do through our preaching ministry um, this, this next year. And so as we, as we look forward to what God's going to continue to do, whether it be through our, our music ministry, whether it be through our preaching, whether it be whatever happens here on Sunday morning, I want to be excited and pushing forward with what God's going to have for us in the future. But let's not forget to also just enjoy today, right? Enjoy these, these close, intimate times that we can have together. Enjoy some of the, the, the rawness and, and the simplicity of, of the, the, the gatherings that we put together. 
Okay, these are going to be the times that we look back on uh, a few years down the road, and we're just going to look on them fondly and just kind of remember those times that we had together. We're going to be able to look back on, on the times this year and say, man, wasn't Kevin's first sermon just awful? Like, we're going to laugh about that. Like, it's going to be good. So let's, let's not look so much forward. Let's not look forward too much to the future that we forget to just enjoy today. Enjoy days like these where we can share a meal all together and we can worship God together. So we exist by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to behold God, to build up the body of Christ. So look with me now if you are in Ephesians 4. We're going to start at Ephesians 4, verse 11. It says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now we know ultimately that it is Jesus who is building his church, his people, this new family. But we have such a good and gracious God that he allows us to participate in his work. And God gives his people then gifts that are to be used for his glory and our collective good. He has given pastors and teachers, not so that they or, or us, not that we would just do all the ministry, but he's given them so that we would equip the saints for ministry, that we would equip all of you for ministry, so that all of us collectively together, using our gifts, that we would build up the body of Christ, so that we would attain unity of the faith, knowledge of the Son of God, that we would mature and become more like Christ, so that we would not be led astray by false doctrine, so that we would speak the truth in love, and that when each part is working properly together, the body grows healthy and builds itself up in love. Man, there is a lot in this passage here, okay? And we're not going to have time to, to break it all down, but, but read this passage at home this week. Pray through it. Meditate on it. There's a lot in this passage that is really, really good for us to, to grow in and to understand. So in our, in our first year as Franklin City Church, we, we've prayed and thought and discussed a lot about who we want to be, right? Who are we so supposed to be? So for example, we've read scriptures like this and we've said, okay, for in, in light of this passage, who are we to be as your leaders, as pastors and teachers? Like, like is, is ministry just for the paid staff? Is it just that you guys come to, to, to get the goods and services that the professionals are providing for you? Or does the Bible teach that the church is supposed to be something completely different than what our culture of consumerism would teach us. And I'm so thankful as I look back over this past year 
And I see that, that you all, we are not setting a culture that has an attitude of consumerism. But you all are setting a culture instead of contributors. That the pastors, the, the, the paid staff are not the only ones doing ministry, but that all of us are ministers of the gospel. And while most of you are serving in, in some way, and we, we are thankful for that, there is a group of people that this past year has made a huge sacrifice of their time and their energy and their gifts to lead you all behind the scenes. And so I wanted you to make, be made aware of this, this leadership team because it was last summer before the church was even forming that we formed a, a leadership team. Uh, with Dad and I being the only pastors, we wanted to make sure that we surrounded ourselves with, with, with other leaders that could keep us accountable, other leaders that we could make decisions with, and uh, other leaders that could just give us some wise counsel on things. And the reason we didn't, when the church started, and initially uh, install them or recognize them is because we knew that this leadership team, it was going to be a, a temporary team until we could transition to elders and deacons or elders and other ministry leaders. But these were people that we knew from the beginning, before even the church was formed, that they were with us, that they were praying for this church, and that they wanted to love and serve this church in, however, in whatever way they could. And so we've been meeting with the leadership team once or twice a month to pray for you, to make decisions for the church, and to grow in all of our leadership development. And so I do want to, to honor and recognize them. So I know we've got a few that, that aren't here, but... Um, what I'll do is just, I'll just have you guys stand. So it's, it's been the Walkers, the Sorleys, the Goods, the Cotaspotes, the Yinglings, and the Corys. If you guys are here, could you guys stand? Yeah, men and women, men and women. And can you guys give them a, a, a thank you? Thank you guys. You guys can be seated. But in all honesty, like, thank you guys. You, you guys... Uh, have been such a huge part in leading this church, even before we started gathering on Sunday mornings. Um, you guys have been a huge part in, in, in praying and seeing this all develop and happen, and so we're thankful for you all. Um, I, want, I wanted the rest of our people to, to know and acknowledge you that this past year you've been serving in a lot of ways behind the scenes, and we've been so thankful for the leadership team. But now we are going to transition, to, which has always kind of been the plan, but we're going to transition to elders uh, and elder candidates and specific ministry leaders, okay? That's going to be the leadership structure. So currently, Dad and myself are the two elders here, uh, but we have two elder candidates that we are going to present to you in the next few weeks. That's going to be Kevin and Joshua. And in the next few weeks, uh, we're going to have a whole sermon just on what is an elder. I'm going to preach and teach through what is an elder, what is that biblical office, and what is the process going to be for us here in installing new elders. Uh, but the plan would be to have elder candidates that go through a process, a one-year process, where we have kind of mapped out a calendar for them, things they're reading and learning, uh, things that they're getting opportunities to preach and teach and lead and serve you. And then after that year, 
we would give our, our church members uh, a chance to, to give an affirming vote that they, yes, agree that these, these men should be elders of our church. And so that, that's all coming. We won't get into that much today, but I wanted you guys to know that, that we're transitioning now away from just a leadership team to elders. We're going to have elder candidates, and then we're going to have specific ministry leaders. And so I'm, I'm thankful for how God has given us leaders here in the past, and I'm excited for how he's continuing to develop leaders here for the future. But church, you should... Take heart, and you should be excited that God is giving us good gifts by continuing to raise up more leaders here that have a desire to love and serve you. And to transition from two to four elders is going to be such a a healthy and beneficial thing for our church. Okay, so you remember, last year was all about who we are going to be, and we concluded that the Bible teaches we are to be participants in building up the, in the body of Christ. I think we've all gotten there this past year about who we are supposed to be. We're not just supposed to be consumers. We're not just supposed to come and you know, get goods and services from the church, but we're actually supposed to come and contribute and be a part of this church. But what we're going to do this next year is really try to show you how we are going to see this happen here. Okay, how are we going to help you be a contributor, excuse me, a contributor here? How are we going to help you see, how are we going to help you be discipled here? And every church, this can look a little different. The details of this can play out a little different, but we want to help show you how we're going to do this here at Franklin City Church. The first way that we're going to see this played out is by raising up more leaders, okay? And so we are committed to raising up more leaders, to see more men and women trained and discipled and furthered along in, their, in, their, uh, in the process of growing into leaders and then empowering them and unleashing them to use their gifts to love and serve God's people. But not only are we being more intentional with giving leaders more specific roles and responsibilities, but we want to be intentional with empowering all of you as well, okay? All of you guys should be doing the work of the ministry, right? He has gifted you with gifts that some of you don't even realize maybe you have, but God has gifted every believer with certain gifts that we want to see unleashed and empowered to, be, to glorify God and to be a blessing to our people. We want all of you to follow Jesus and to grow up in Christ to grow as a disciple, and we want to help come alongside you along this path of discipleship, all right? And so the main ways that we see carrying out this biblical God-given conviction that we have to build up the body of Christ and to go make disciples is, yes, to behold him, to gather together to worship, but then we primarily see this happening in our city groups by encouraging people to be engaged in a city group, as well as encouraging people to find ways to serve, to serve. And so looking on this past year, I'm so thankful for our city groups. There have been some beautiful things that have happened in those groups. There's been deep relationships that are being built in those groups. And I'm thankful for our city group leaders and for hosts that have opened up their homes to make these gatherings possible. But now I'm also excited about the future of these groups. As we give a little bit more vision and direction to these groups, I'm excited to see these rhythms start to play out where we have weeks that we are intentional in times of prayer. 
where we have weeks where we are intentional in, in studying God's word together, where we have weeks where we are intentional in fellowship and, and sharing a meal together, where we have weeks where we are intentional in getting out of the house, getting out into our community to see and to serve it. And I believe that we will continue to see more and more fruit. We're going to continue to see the body of Christ built up more and more as more and more people get engaged in a city group. These really are the settings that we have created to provide opportunities to pe for people to live out the life of Christ together. These are the settings where we can see everyone's gifts unleashed. And this is really the setting in our church where relational discipleship plays out. It's really happening in our city groups. By praying together, right, we're teaching one another how to pray. By studying God's word together, we are teaching one another how to study God's word. By, by eating and sharing meals together, we are teaching one another how to enjoy the relationships that God has given us. And by serving together, we are together becoming more and more like Christ. And then we believe in order for us to help you follow Jesus, in order to help build up the body of Christ, in order to help walk with you along this pathway of discipleship, not only are we emphasizing city groups, but we want to find ways for each and every one of you to be serving, to be serving. But here, here's the thing about us desiring you to serve, okay? We don't actually need you to serve. Now, that might come across arrogant. I don't mean it in that way. It's not like we don't need you. We can do this by ourselves. I don't mean that at all, but I'm, I'm including myself in this. My point in saying that is saying that God doesn't need us to accomplish his purposes, right? Well, while it is good that God allows us to participate in his work, he doesn't actually need us. God doesn't need anything, okay? Psalm 50 says that he owns the cattle of a thousand hills, right? Like he holds all resources in his hands. And so even thinking about the preaching ministry, like we don't need or rely on one person to preach God's word to you. God could raise up anyone to come preach to you here on a Sunday morning. God says that the rocks, he can make the rocks cry out, right? And so the same is true with all of our ministries and with all of our volunteers. We never want to pressure anyone into serving in a certain ministry. We never want to burn people out by feeling like they're obligated to serve or that we desperately need them or that everything's going to fall apart if they don't serve. No, we believe God will provide what we need when we need it. We do. So we aren't going to twist anyone's arm to serve here at this church. But, but we do see serving as a huge part of our discipleship process, okay? You see, we often misunderstand discipleship as just learning more, okay? We, I think we live in a culture where we're just so frenzied on gaining more knowledge and all the information that is out there to us that as Christians, we can think discipleship is just learning more, like, well, if I just read this many more books or if I understand this much more theology, like that is all there is to discipleship. Now, listen, that, that is a part of the process, okay? You should be growing in your knowledge and understanding of God. That is a part of the process, but that is not all that entails discipleship. Mark chapter 10, verses 43 and 45, it says, But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Therefore, we believe that giving you opportunities to serve is helping you become more like Jesus. Are you guys with me on that? Do you see? Because you see, you sacrificially serving people with your time and you sacrificially using your gifts to serve people and you sacrificially serving our church with your money, by you doing that, you are becoming more and more like Jesus. And so when we initially started a year ago, listen, my, my thinking on this was a little different. I didn't want people to have to serve at all right? I wanted to, to get here early and do all the setup. I wanted our staff to be able to do all the setup so that you all could just come and just learn more about Jesus. But somewhere along the year, like God convicted me with this passage from Mark, and I realized that if we don't provide opportunities for you to serve, and if we don't encourage you to serve, we are actually stunting your growth in Christ. We're hindering you from becoming more like Jesus. Following Christ means learning to serve. It means learning how to lay down your life for one another. It means learning to love others as much as you love yourself. Part of following Christ is serving. It's learning to serve. And so, hey, you don't have to serve here. I never want to present opportunities like, hey, we just desperately need people to serve and try to get, guilt people into serve. No, I, I, again, I believe God will provide what we need when we need it. But I do want to present you opportunities to serve so that you might become more and more like Christ. And so you don't have to serve here. You can just come on a Sunday morning and be a part of the worship gathering. That's fine. But if you're really going to be a part of this, if you really want to allow us to pastor you, if you really want to experience the full fruit of kind of walking with us on this discipleship pathway and this process, then we really believe you're going to need to be part of a city group and you're going to need to be finding ways to serve whether it be doing the PowerPoint or running sound or reading scripture or teaching and loving our kids or being part of the hospitality team to greeting people, to, to uh, introducing new people to others, to, to watching the lobby during the service, right? From helping with church meals to set up, to clean up, find ways that you can be serving. Or even what about this? Serving God in the church with your finances. Now, yes, I said serving God with your finances. So everyone hold on to your wallets because I'm coming after them, okay? <clears throat> Just kidding. I'm actually coming after your heart, but I think that your wallet and your money has a hold on your heart, so it's going to feel like I'm coming after your wallet, okay? I'm actually coming after your heart. We believe that the Bible says, yeah, thanks. We, be, we believe that, so it's funny because if you take dad out to eat, he will always forget his wallet. It's a, it's a classic play. Just watch out for that. Okay. Uh, he does have it here today though. All right. So we believe the Bible says you cannot serve both God and money. Okay. The Bible says you cannot serve God and money, that you will hate one and love the other. And so we, we realize, we just have to be honest. We know that money has a hold of our hearts. It does, myself included. But as Jesus 
captivates our hearts. As he fills our hearts with more and more of a sense of gratitude to God because of the gospel, as our hearts are filled with gratitude, we will become more and more generous with what God has entrusted to us. I've heard it said that generosity is gratitude in action. Generosity is gratitude in action. I, I don't believe you can force someone to be generous. I don't believe you can really guilt someone into be, being generous. I don't feel like you can pressure someone into really being generous. The most generous people I know are the people who have hearts of gratitude towards God, recognizing that all they have is from Him, and that gratefulness in action leads to generosity. And it is the hearts of grateful gospel people that God many times works through to fund and provide the work that he is doing through the local church to accomplish the Great Commission. And so looking back over the year, guys, I am so thankful for all of you who have been sacrificially and generously giving to the work that God is doing here. I am. Like uh, up until this point, and this will change in January when Sojourn Network starts funding us some, but up until this point, we have received very little outside support, okay? Which that is really rare for a church plant. And so you look around the room, and the reason that we have a place to gather, the reason that we can have anyone on staff, the reason that we can do what we do, we know is ultimately because God is providing, okay? It's ultimately from God, but the way he's been providing has been through the generosity of many of you. And so thank you. Thank you. Your grateful hearts in action have been very overwhelming and encouraging to us. And so we haven't gotten to the point where, uh, where we've been desperate and I sing uh, special music and we pass the offering plate around and the more you give is the sooner I'll stop singing. Like we haven't, haven't gotten to that point, all right? But just know that I don't mind playing that card at times, all right? We, we haven't had to do that. But in all seriousness, like I'm thankful for this past year. Thank you guys. And I'm excited for the future. I am. I'm excited to continue to see that God is going to provide for us all along the way, that he's going to give us what we need when we need it. And I'm excited to have more and more opportunities to teach and guide people in how to steward the finances that God has given them. So serving here at this church, whether it be your time, whether it be your gifts, whether it be your money, serving will be a huge part of you becoming more and more like Jesus. And it will be a huge part of how we see the body of Christ built up here at Franklin City Church. We exist by the grace of God and the power of the Spirit to behold God, to build up the body of Christ, and to bless the city and the world. Bless the city and the world. Now, I'm wrapping up here. I realize we don't have much time to talk about bless the city and the world. And that's because I do not want to give an instructional guide on how we are to bless the city and the world. Okay? With Behold God, I wanted to show you how we are going to behold God, right? We're going to sing the word. We're going to preach the word. We're going to pray the word. We're going to be delighting in the word. That is how we are going to primarily behold God. With Build Up the Body of Christ, I wanted you to see how we are going to build up the body of Christ. We're going to raise up leaders. We're going to get people engaged in city groups. We're going to unleash people's gifts to serve. But bless the city and the world is the part 
that we don't as leaders want to dictate to you how you should bless the city and the world. We want to equip you. We want to train you. We want to stir up in you. And then we want to unleash you to bless the city and the world. We want you to be engaged in your work. We want you to be engaged in your neighborhoods and in your schools. And we want you to be prayerfully looking for opportunities that God is going to present to you to be a blessing to those around you. And so we, as your pastors or as your leaders, we don't want to necessarily always find like service projects and things that we're passionate about and then kind of guilt you into being a part of those. Like that's not primarily how we want to do this. We want you to see the opportunities around you and we want you to grab some people from church to rally around you to go with you. We want you to see you go grab your city group and go bless the city and the world. We want you to see like, like, like have something you're passionate about and th- some, an area that you want to serve and tell the pastor pastors so that the church can rally around you however we can to support this passion that God has given you. But we want you to lead out in this bless the city and the world. So in closing, we exist by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to behold God, to build up the body of Christ, and to bless the city and the world. Franklin City Church, there is much to be thankful about this past year. Take time today and this week to think through this past year and give God thanks for all that we can be thankful about. There's also, there is much to be excited about in the future. And take time today to prayerfully and joyfully anticipate what God would have for us in the future. But let's also enjoy today. Let's be thankful and enjoy this season that God has given us here. And let's enjoy one another. Let's enjoy all the good gifts that God's given us today. Okay? Let's pray.